on fires burning bright Pumpkin faces in the night I remember Halloween Dead cats hanging from poles Little dead around in droves I remember Halloween Vertigo With skeletal life is known I remember Halloween This day anything goes Burning bodies hanging from poles I remember Halloween Big show lined up tonight. We're going to have uh, cryptozoologist Scott Marlowe on. If you want to call in and uh, ask him a question about Bigfoot or share an experience you've had, you can call in at 508-644-8503. I've been looking be forward to do a Bigfoot show for quite a while now. Yeah. John's the uh, Bigfoot man here? No, nah, yeah. not really, but... I just, I just like the word cryptozoologist. I think that's... That would just look neat on your wall. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. So um, we talked before, and I think um, you know some movies are uh, coming out here pretty soon. I think this week we've got a uh, what was a movie uh, Troy's interested in coming out this week? We got Beowulf coming out. Beowulf. I'm looking exactly. forward to Beowulf. Mm-hmm. The I I'm having um I'm I don't share in the enthusiasm that Troy has in the movie. Uh, well, I am a big uh, Robert Zemeckis fan. That's the director of the film. I find it uh, kind of interesting that they're actually doing like a whole movie in kind of CG format or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I don't know. Some the previews is making it look to be like a uh, complete ripoff of uh, uh, what was that one movie? Three Hundred. Kind of looks like it's trying to emulate it in a lot of aspects, but. I don't know. I'm a fan of Robert Zemeckis' films, so I'm kind of, kind of looking forward to it. Let's see what it does. I probably won't be like. Uh, won't be that first week going to see it. No, nah, probably not. Maybe even wait till video, perhaps. But hmm. uh, I don't know. It might be. It might turn out pretty good. Well, what are you looking forward to? Because I also like Zemeckis. Yeah. And Neil Gaiman wrote the uh, the screenplay for it. Oh yeah. And um, he he's he's done all kinds of stuff. I think he actually did. Uh, I don't know if it was a screenplay for one of the later Star Wars ones. I think it might have been the last one. Yeah, 
Huh. And um, he, he's done all kinds of stuff. And it was kind of neat because I guess Zemeckis had told him, hey, just, you know, we're doing it computer animated, so just write whatever you want. And he's like, are you sure? <laughs> and he's like, yep. And then I guess uh, Gaiman ran over to his typewriter and started doing scenes about, like, Beowulf fighting a dragon underwater and stuff. He's like, woohoo, I always wanted to see something like this. <laughs> now, isn't, like, Beowulf, like, one of the first uh, mo- giant monster tales of any sort? Well, yeah, it's kind of the first, well, one of the first, like, hero stories, you know, in, uh-huh. in like, uh, that just kind of got passed around. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. It, to me, it's it's not look like three hundred because three hundred is actually uh, live people, but the the background was uh, computer generated. This is a computer animated movie, more like on the lines of uh, Shrek or Toy Story. Mm. And I always thought like the, the the worst part of any of those movies is is the uh, computer generated uh, human beings. So yeah, not a lot really of times a big, right. Yeah, it's a, that's why I'm not really. I don't know. I'm, I don't think it's going to be all that because. To me, the computer-generated people never really looked that great. Yeah, I was kind I think of. They looked pretty good on this one, though. Yeah, I, was, I thought they looked pretty good, and they actually had me fooled for a long time. I was like, "There's mm. something weird about this preview." I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and uh, it finally I, I, I grasped it, and I was like, "Oh, this is a this is a computer-generated <laughs> here." But um, I don't know. What, what else did they do that in? Didn't they do that in in like one of the um? It was a movie based off of a video game. Oh, uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. I never saw it, so I don't really know how it looked. Yeah, it wasn't a... It was just like watching like a uh, like an animated feature or something, pretty much. You knew it wasn't like totally real, but it was alright to watch, I guess. But could have been a better story, I suppose. But <laughs> I never saw that one. Well, what what I meant, though, by kind of being a rip-off of, like, 300 by the trailers, it's like they always have him yelling about how he's Beowulf and, like, just yelling really loud. <laughs> they yelled really loud in the in the uh, trailers for 300. <laughs> I think it's well, I think it must it's, uh, be like a Viking thing. Yeah, you know? I think it's more of the time, not necessarily rip-off of anything. I think it's, uh, you know, they're uh, warriors, and that's what they do. <laughs> warriors yell. In the, last, in, in the last trailer I saw... It, it looked almost more like Lord of the Rings. I saw, like, because there were big battles going on. I saw, like, lots mm-hmm. of arrows flying. I'm like, geez, I don't know what's going on in this now. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Angelina Jolie's actually in the film, and I heard that she was kind of uh, skeptical about her uh, nude scene in the film because it's, like, animated nude Angelina Ooh. Jolie. So. It's kind of here in the chat room saying that um, the main guy looks fake, and uh, but Jolie looked real. I think the Jolie character actually looks like her, but see the guy yeah. who's playing the Beowulf, mm-hmm. the voice, he's in his voice, but the likeness is nothing like the, the actual... Uh, no, he uh, actually looks good. like... Uh, to me, he actually looked like uh, that Sean Bean guy that was, uh, that was recently right. in The Hitcher and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you couldn't. I don't think it would be the same if you just had. Uh, you know, if he looked like you know, the actual actor. Yeah, you don't want him looking like Ray Winston. You know, like <laughs> the fat, like fifty-five-year-old British guy. You know, it probably wouldn't be that impressive. He, he was Beowulf. Yeah, he yeah. was great in the uh, BBC. Um, which we talked about here on the show a while back. You know, in detail. Oh, the Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, he's a great actor, you know, but like he probably wouldn't look the part of Beowulf. You'd need like a big, like Nordic-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, I, I think uh, one of our callers mentioned before uh, Raul Duke about the BBC Jekyll, which uh, recently just came out on uh, DVD, and I picked it up, and I'd recommend that for you know to anybody out there. It's a modern retelling of Jekyll and Hyde, so it's not just uh, you know going over the basic story again. It's a lot of new twists and turns in it. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that one. I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah you, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you go off Netflix. It's um, two discs, uh, six episodes, so it's uh, six hours long. Do they end it, or is it open-ended? Could they bring, like, um, a sequel? Yeah, um, if... Uh, this is maybe possible spoiler. It's definitely open-ended. In okay. fact, I think they kind of ended it. They even say this in the, in the commentary track, that they end it in hopes of, you know, c- coming back to it. Oh, good. Mm. I always like something like that, though. You know, if something you enjoyed. Right, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I hope that doesn't spoil it for anyone. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week we got The Mist coming out. Yeah, this one I'm really looking forward to. I think uh mm. looks really good to me, all the trailers that I saw of it. Yeah, I thought this looks good. I know Troy's not, like, a big fan of, of the actual story. Yeah, and it's also yeah I'm going to have to read it again. I'm going to have to read it again before I see it. Mm-hmm. It's also a short story. It's not like uh, it's not an actual yeah. novel. Yeah. Well, um, we we have uh, we have it on audio book, so I can I can always pop it in and, and listen to the the CD. Mm-hmm. Who hmm. does the uh, Who does the actual reading of it on the audio? I I think it's King on this one. Who's always it takes a it takes a while to get like used to his voice. <laughs> when he's reading one of his books, right. he doesn't have exactly the best reading voice, does he? <laughs> no, no, no. He's you know, he's a fun guy and everything, but just sometimes when you when you listen to him read, you just kind of fall asleep. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not uh, let's not ring an endorsement here on uh, without your head. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have like the James Earl Jones voice or you know the Christopher Lee voice or something. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I thought this looks pretty cool from the from the ads. I'd like to check it out at the uh, mm-hmm. theater, or possibly on the Netflix. <laughs> I, think, I think that's one that'll probably be better at the theater. It looks like it'll be you know, big bugs and stuff look cool on on like the big screen. Oh yeah, it's oh, it, I mean, pretty much any movie's better on on the big screen. I would think. Yeah. They're starting to put uh, movie like re-releasing some movies now, like at the theater, because you know they did the Halloween four and five, I think it was, and um, I saw that they're actually going to put out um, the original Star Trek, uh, the uh, you know the one before it has Captain Kirk. Oh really? Oh, um, the uh, you know the original um, is it trailer? Pilot, the original pilot. They're gonna release that at theaters, like uh, like digitally. Oh no, cast. kidding! Yeah, is it? Oh, like, that's odd. Is it that good? I mean, not really, but I, I mean, <laughs> no. The the old captain and the old doctor, they're pretty, they're pretty bad. Yeah, and I, I guess it's gonna cost like twelve fifty. I don't know if you're gonna get some other stuff with it or what. And then I guess they're gonna be putting out the whole the whole series again, like. Digital remastered and whatnot, but it's like then they just do that. Yeah, they it's not like they were cheap either. They were yeah, I'm not going to shell out another three hundred bucks for like you know the the three seasons. Hmm. Hmm. That's strange. Well, John, did you ever see the episode? What is it, Neil? The Cage. Yeah. 
Is that is that what it is? Yeah, and it, you know, it's uh, it, Captain Kirk's not in it in uh, or different. Yeah, they characters. have like the flashbacks to like where where the old captain gets captured. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's the original pilot one, and like Roddenberry's wife, she she's like she's kind of like um, well, the only person that's there is Spock. He's the only character that like remained. Hmm. I don't know. The only, like, Star Trek action I'm down with is, like, Captain Kirk and Spock fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not, like, the most knowledgeable Star Trek fan. I actually, you know, I've, I've never really watched the uh, series in, in great detail or anything. I, I've never really been a huge fan of it, but, like, I remember watching... Um, it was on Fox 11. I was probably in like middle school at the time, and they played uh, they played the Wrath of Khan, and they played like the the episode before it, though. Then they played mm-hmm. the movie, and I, I thought that was pretty awesome watching that at the time. Yeah, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, John is a big Star Wars fan, and he was thinking about picking up the new um, the, the new lightsaber, the new FX Force lightsaber. Actually, yeah, I was kind of thinking, <laughs> I was kind of thinking about it. Because my friend Scotty came over last night and he told me all about it. And I was like, whoa, lightsaber. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> then I got on the YouTube and I started watching some kids and they had their lightsabers and stuff. And I was like, I totally don't want one now. because <laughs> <laughs> well, What makes it different than, than the old like plastic lightsaber? <laughs> well, the kids on YouTube, though, they were just being a little too... Uh, too nerdy enough about it for me, so I kind of decided against getting it. But what makes it different than the big plastic tube back in the 80s? Back stuck on the flashlight. Stuck on the flashlight. <laughs> it's actually, you know, it's like well designed. It looks like the the handle looks just like a lightsaber. And it has like a big tube, a little like a slender tube. And it's all battery operated. And then whenever you turn it on, the light retracts and detracts or whatever. And uh, it looks really cool. And like, whenever you like swing it, it has sound effects from the uh, movie. But like, uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I think that's just. Oh, it sounds kind of neat to me too. It's pretty neat idea, but definitely don't go watch that video on YouTube. But I watch <laughs> That'll kill you. Man, on it. these kids. He was John's, nerding out a little bit too much about it. Yeah. John's definitely a guy that doesn't give into a peer pressure. He's like the opposite. Yeah. People, everybody else is doing it. He's not doing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a strange man. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's like everybody's gonna do drugs in high school. Well, we'll see about that. I'm gonna be a recluse. Stay at home all my life. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if we want to send out the message that, you know, be cool, you should be doing drugs. <laughs> I don't know. They, uh, they Actually, I've had people who've, like, taken drugs in high school, and they come up and they say, man, we're in the minority. And it's like, man, I, I haven't, like, met a person who hasn't taken drugs in, like, high school. It's like I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. I guess I should have, like, <laughs> hanged out with the preppies or something. I don't know. So are, are you telling all the kids out there, you know, to, uh, Take do a life of drugs. Or? I'm not telling them to do drugs, but there's, there's <laughs> definitely people who's experimented back in the days, you know. Right, right, right. I mean, I, every kid goes through it when they get to high school. They're going to be offered some uh, marijuana, you know, a little LSD, the dope. Yeah, the dope. <laughs> they're going to be offered that. 
I'm saying, kids, if you want to be like old John here... <laughs> Actually, if you, if you want to be really cool, just don't do it. Oh, man. Just say no. Just yes. say no. No, not, not necessarily, <laughs> but, you know. What the Look, hell, man? I don't know. Sometimes it's like I think back and it's like, man, I should have taken those drugs. <laughs> I should have got out. It probably well, would have helped me with my anxiety. I, I, you know, I always like to say it's it's never too late to start. So, man, I think you know maybe New Year's resolution coming up. Uh-huh. Only got a month left of the year. Maybe you can uh, you can start being you know a dope fiend in the year two thousand eight. <laughs> Who knows? But start chasing the dragon. But listen here, Neil. Listen, I might have not ever taken no drugs, but right now we're about to interview interview a Bigfoot expert. Right. So we'll, we'll be coming back. Cool. We're going to break here. We'll, we'll be back with Scott Marlowe, cryptozoologist. And if you want to call in, it's 508 644 8503. And don't be doing any drugs during the break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, greetings from Camp Crystal Lake. This is Warrington Gillette, the original Jason Voorhees, wishing you, yes, a happy Friday 13th on withoutyourhead.com. All right, we are back. We're joined by Scott Marlowe, cryptozoologist. Welcome to Without Your Head. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, I hope I pronounced the name right. Uh, well, Marlowe is the way it's pronounced. It's pretty, it would be pretty, pretty bad if I mispronounced it. <laughs> but uh, tell everybody... Uh, straightforward. Yeah, I would tell everybody to uh, check out uh, PangeaInstitute.us, and we'll have, the, uh, we'll have the link up on the website as well if you guys want to check that out. That's cool. All right. Now, you want to explain to everybody uh, if they're not familiar what uh, cryptozoology means? Well, a cryptozoologist is an individual that, quite literally, if you study the old Greek, studies uh, enigmatic or unknown animals. And uh, in this particular instance, we're dealing with you know, animals like Bigfoot and Nessie and uh, the Thunderbird and all of those. And you know, some of them have you know really great press coverage, and others uh, you know, like the Laotian rock rat. Uh, which was recently rediscovered, don't. But uh, about 300 different uh, unknown creatures are discovered every year. Uh, unfortunately, cryptozoology doesn't usually get the credit for doing so. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, you're actually, uh, I believe, the first person to uh, to teach this you know, in a college. Uh, there's been a t- several attempts, but nobody actually got a course going that a college would accept on a long term other than on an experimental basis. And uh, you know, we kind of turned everything on its ear. Everybody else had uh, been approaching it from the standpoint of the animals themselves, which, of course, many people don't want to believe in. And rather than go that route, I approached it like, well, here's what you'd have to do to prove they exist, and took it from a scientific uh, uh, perspective. And that you know, won the college's approval, and uh, we got it on the, uh, on the roster. Excellent. Now, um, you know, I, I was reading your bio and everything, and... Um you mentioned you had a you had a, a like a, an experience with a with a Bigfoot, which kind of led you to um, you know pursuing uh, cryptozoology. You want to explain what happened? Well, that's true, and, uh, and you know, actually, at the time, I knew it as a Bigfoot, but uh, over the years that I've been studying it, it's it was not a Bigfoot in the sense that it was the Sasquatch of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Bigfoot's become you know a catch-all phrase for any hairy bipedal human-like primate. Uh, but uh, I encountered this thing uh, one night when I was in college. It was in my sophomore year. I went to Rollins uh, here in in, uh, Florida, 
uh, which is outside of Orlando. And at the time, uh, I moved off campus. They let us do that in our in our sophomore year. And I got a nice apartment out in the, out in the boondocks because that was the only place you could get a cheap apartment. It was a new set of structures, and they were very nice. But I picked an apartment way in the back, which was you know, kind of secluded uh, and adjacent to the woods and orange groves that were all around this you know this new development. And I uh, came home one night uh, after shopping for some groceries on the way home. And uh, when I got out of the car, I got a strange feeling that you know, something wasn't right. But I walked over to the passenger side, got my bag of groceries, because I had a little baby sports car then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, picked up the bag and looked across the parking lot. And lo and behold, there's this thing standing behind a, a lamppost, uh, uh, kind of moving from side to side. So I could tell it was, you know, not, not a shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just completely froze because I was afraid I was going to get charged at first, but that never happened. Now, were you uh, were you a believer in these uh, before that happened? Well, uh, I, I was pre med, so I would have you know would call myself skeptical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had all seen at that point. Uh, uh, I think uh, you know some specials and things, and, and of course about that same time. Uh, the legend of Boggy Creek came out, mm-hmm. and so you know people knew about Bigfoot, and but that you know Hollywood had portrayed it as a monster, and this thing didn't behave that way at all. So I just uh, you know basically uh, after I got over my fear, just started slowly backing up to the stairway of my second story apartment, uh, trying to put some distance between me and it, and you know, I kept my eye on it the entire time. I didn't have to turn my back on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, by the time I got up to the landing uh, and uh, turned around and put my key in the door, you know, for that split second that I took my eyes off it, uh, of course, then I was up on the second story, and I didn't really think it could cross the parking lot and run up the stairs quite that fast. Uh, and I turned back to get it in my sight. It was gone. Hmm. Now, did you ever come into uh, contact, it, uh, contact with it uh, since then? Well, not the same creature, obviously, but yeah, you know, I was out in Texas with uh, Chester Moore and Chris Stevens, and they took me to some of their you know, Bigfoot hotspots out there, and uh, we saw some through the foliage. Saw one through the foliage on one site. That's the same site that they had used, or same general area that they had used outside of Conestoga for their uh, animal X show they did for Discovery Channel. And uh, yeah, then uh, that that evening we went out to another area nearer to Chester's home outside of Orange, Texas. And uh, man, that uh, that was weird because uh, you know, Chris had an, an active IR unit and, and uh, Chester had a passive IR unit. And uh, we, you know, I was standing there uh, and we were having a chat, and, and something threw a twig at me, which hit me in the back of the head. It startled me. And uh, at first I thought it came out of the canopy and just, you know, was a branch that got stuck up there. But then I realized I was wearing my, you know, wide brim hat and it was impossible. So it had to come from ground level. And uh, sure enough, Chester pointed <clears throat> his, his IR scope in the direction that the, the twig had apparently come from. And uh, behind a tree, we could see a form moving in and out from behind the tree on the IR scope. So, yeah, we've, I've had three encounters if you count all those. What what do you think it was uh, like throwing the twig at you for to get your attention or was it? Well, it, we were you know when we entered the second area. I mean, there was very little doubt that we were in their territory. I mean, it reeked like you know the the, the, the whole area. 
uh, reeked like the back end of a seafood restaurant on a hot summer day. Uh, so you know, we knew we were, you know, we were in their territory, mm-hmm. and we we're moving along a pathway. And Chester knew this area really well. And at the far end where we were working our way to was what was their apparent feeding ground. And of course, this was the middle of the night, like you know, eleven, twelve, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. And uh, apparently, we got too close. Uh, you know, one came in behind us to kind of keep track of us. Uh, one, you know, was up in front of us, and they kept moving. And there was, you know, it's kind of a, I can't really explain it, but they're you know, too well. But there was a bayou as we were going in. There's a bayou on our right hand side, so you obviously can't run that way. And then there were these enormous uh, hill structures or, or moguls on our left side uh, that kept, you know, kept a good portion of the forest concealed. So there was only this path running between those two areas. So we were apparently just getting too close to the area where they were feeding or the family troop was, and it excited them enough that they decided they wanted to uh, send us the message that we shouldn't go any further. Hmm. Is there any uh, records of um, like any Bigfoots or Sasquatch like uh, being uh, violent towards a person? It's pretty rare, and those that do exist usually are associated with us making the first violent move. Mm-hmm. Like most animals. Uh, now there's, yeah. Uh, there's a number of accounts coming out of Russia where you know, one is attacked in revenge uh, because a, a farmer or a hunter had, had killed a member of you know, the Bigfoot or Almacy in that area's family, and it, it retaliated. And there's some uh, here in Texas, uh, actually, uh, no, well, let me take you back even further. Uh, there's a good account in one of Teddy Roosevelt's books uh, where two hunters went out uh, into the wild and uh, shot one, and apparently uh, when uh, they uh, the two hunters separated, one came into camp and tore another one limb from limb. Hmm. Yeah, I read. So there, about... I mean, there's some. Go on, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just um, you were saying about the, the Teddy Roosevelt story, and uh, you know, I was reading about that online earlier. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was actually in one of his books, so... Yes, it is. It's covered in one of his books. I, the name of the book escapes me, but I know it was in there. But there's also some interesting accounts where they've been rather amorous towards people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an account, again, coming out of Russia, of the famous Russian writer Turgenev. Uh, when he was a young man, uh, went on a hunting trip and uh, was in the forest alone in this particular area. Uh, they separated from the other people in his group. It was a hot day, and he decided to uh, strip down and go, you know, uh, swimming in a, a stream that ran through the forest, which he did. And after paddling around a while and cooling off, was resting up against the bank when this enormous hand comes from behind him and goes to grab him, and he freaks out because it's a large female Bigfoot. Uh, and he runs uh, stark naked through the forest and about 10 miles to the nearest town. Uh, it's only to be told that, oh, that's the wild woman that lives in the forest. Uh, and you know, even one of my own associates, David Dowdy, uh, who's about as tall and as hairy as a Sasquatch, that's actually <laughs> the nickname we've given him, much to his chagrin. Uh, but uh, you know, David and his lady friend were up in Tennessee, and uh, you know, they uh, did the nasty in the woods, and he went back uh, onto the porch of the cabin that belonged to her grandmother and uh, leaned back to have a smoke. And uh, then felt the call of nature, went back into the woods by himself for a short. And, uh, of course, he was not a believer until this thing chased him out of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Man. 
apparently making a pass at him, and uh, you know, <laughs> was, was interested. <laughs> More than likely thinking it was one of her own. Right. <laughs> what are you saying, John? Uh, you mentioned the smell earlier. Is there any like explanation of why they would smell so bad? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. If you you know get wet with swamp water, it doesn't smell all that wonderful, <laughs> especially uh, in, in certain areas around here. But it's not unusual for a primate, uh, great ape of any kind, to have a rather noxious odor. I mean, gorillas do, chimps do, primates do. Uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, a lot of people in this area like to call it the, the skunk ape, but I don't really care for that nomenclature. Uh, you know, the swamp ape to me is more descriptive because uh, in my case. It didn't reek uh, the first one I ran into, and of course we were too far away from the second one uh, in Texas to really detect any odor. The first time I had ever really smelled what I knew had to be a, a swamp ape uh, was the third sighting in Texas. Which, I mean, there's there I can't I can't even begin to tell you how noxious that odor is. Hmm. It just depends on uh, their habitat. I, I think it has a lot to do with it. Uh, of course, you know, they're not out there doing, you know, good hygiene every day and taking a right. shower. And if they are <laughs> swimming, they're swimming in a, in a, in a cesspool. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, you wouldn't expect them to smell too good. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Sun on the line here? Yeah, how you doing? Um, I'm, ca- I'm calling about the, uh, if it, what do you think about the, the film? I remember when I was a kid, it was that film. It was back in, uh, I think it was in, in the 60s, in the late 60s. Uh, they captured. It was, uh, it was the early seventies. Yeah, the the, uh, the Coke monster on the Legend of Boggy Creek, and uh, after, as a matter of fact, I you know I won the, the Smoky Crabtree Award from the American Primate Conservation Alliance. So oh, I had right. the, the honor of meeting Smoky. Uh, the uh, the the film was bogus, all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, there, the, was creature, the there, there was a there was a creature film? and some of the people involved. I'm sorry. The, how about the Patterson Gimlin film? I think it was that one. Was that? Did that, oh, one, that, that one was six? shot in the sixties? Okay. Yeah, that, uh, in my opinion, after of course I've had the, the benefit of seeing massive uh, analyses of the film and having it taken apart by M. K. Davis, who's a you know a buddy of mine, and uh, I, I you know, having seen what I've seen, I know that film is genuine. Okay, so that was because I remember yeah, it. I remember you, the other one, the one you just mentioned in the seventies. I remember that one too. But also, yeah, the one that always comes to my mind was the uh, the Patterson one. Yeah, the Patterson film is genuine. Uh, there's there, oh, there's okay. no question in my mind about that. You've got a real animal on that. But the Hollywood wow. rendition of the Bigfoot sightings outside of Folk, Folk Arkansas was almost entirely bogus in the film. I mean, you know, for example, the, the animal never reached inside a house after somebody and, and did a lot of the things that, you know, mm. is claimed in the film. It, that was just done for a dramatic license. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Anything else, Santo? Uh, no, I was just um, asking, just, um, I think some of the questions I've been mentioned about, I mean, if, how, how many, like, the Bigfoots, I mean, what other countries I know you mentioned uh, Russia, but any other countries that were, that come up to mind that probably had sightings? Yes, uh, and virtually all of them. Hmm. The animal or uh, <laughs> uh, the the animal or or virtually an identical creature. Now, of course, when I talk about bipedal hairy primates, I'm talking about anything from the size of the hobbit found on Flores, about three foot tall, 
to the the, the giant 12 footers uh you know they have been seen on every continent and virtually every country for how long uh, how, how like uh like what what's like the uh like the earliest um like recorded sightings of of one well, the earliest recorded sighting of one, it comes out of the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the very first written document ever written by human history. Mm-hmm. And that dates about 4,000 years ago. Uh, now, uh, I've recently done, because I became very curious about this subject, done some studies of uh, artwork throughout the histories of uh, the human race, and I've discovered anomalous cave paintings uh, and other people have worked with me on this, and uh, you know these things exist. And the earliest one that I've been able to document is in uh, South America, and it's fifty thousand years old. Wow! Wow! Has there ever been any? So uh, as long recording? as humans have been around, these things have been around. Yeah, and and all around, not just you know in one particular area. Well, I live in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, there anything that any about in the swamps areas around here? Oh heck yeah! The Honey Island that? Swamp Monster up there. Oh, that's well, yeah. I heard I heard the story about him. Yeah, oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they they would have to be male and female because they evidently reproduce. So yeah, well, they, yeah, they, well, they had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they have a story about them in the uh, in the Ottoman Zoo here. Yeah. Uh, and they also have like a, uh, like a sculpture, like you know, some type of a recreation of. Of what the sightings was, um, yeah. I think it was saying something that he looked like he probably had like an owl shape head or something, something like that. But it, it was just like descript- different descriptions of what those people seen in the swamps. Uh, well, there's variations. I mean, uh, you know, Linda uh, Linda Godfrey talks about the uh, uh, the, the beast of, of uh, Bray Road, and it it apparently looks a little more like a werewolf. Uh, but okay. uh, when you talk to, when you talk to her about it, uh, you know it's it's evidently some kind of Bigfoot, and it's just people you know get uh, get so frightened they give you weird uh, descriptions of these animals, and that happens pretty frequently. You know, I for right. the most part don't believe these things run twelve feet hot, tall. Mm-hmm. You know that that to me becomes almost a fisherman's tale, and they get bigger as the story gets older. You know, right? Yeah, uh, right, right. <laughs> I got it. But uh, uh, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just saying I think it's really unlikely. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're probably, in most of the sightings that I deal with uh, that come to me, they're more sized along our lines. But there are some pretty convincing sightings of really small ones down in in Indochina uh, and Southeast Asia and uh, throughout uh, India and parts of Africa. You mean like like, probably like little miniature ones? Well, I don't want to call them pygmies because that... You know, that's not what we're looking okay. at. Yeah, but oh, they're very okay. small, like the like the Hobbit that was recently discovered. That you know everybody's talking about the little Flores uh, human type creature that got really tiny, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so they're about that same height. And that's interesting okay. that these fossil remains have come up when these stories have abounded in that area for years. Wow. Okay, okay. great. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for calling, nice. Santo. All right. Good night. Uh, have you heard? Uh, I'm sure you've heard, but you know, recently they're saying there's uh, red ape red ape sightings in Florida. Well, it's it's actually more of an orange. It's probably orangutan. Uh, from the descriptions and the sound files that have been sent to me so far, it sounds the sound file is definitely an orangutan long call. Uh, but uh, and it nests in a tree, which orangs do. 
Uh, I'm curious about that particular sighting, and I've talked to several people. I talked to a reporter at Fox who's covered the story, and uh, a couple of the locals. I'm still trying to locate somebody who was interviewed and claimed to live in that area, but they're not in the phone book, but that doesn't mean they're not real. Uh, the, uh, uh, in any event, uh, I'm probably going to go up and investigate that myself. But I'm curious that this uh, fruit stand operator that apparently was feeding the thing disappeared, and at the same time he disappeared, the ape disappeared. Oh, okay. Um, you know, you were, you brought up earlier, like, uh, the name of the one that was in, um, where Santa lived there, New Orleans. Um, I guess you come across a lot of, like, different legends from different areas. Do you, th- do you usually... Well, the animal... Do you usually yeah. believe... The animal them? has hundreds of names. Right. Uh, you know, so I've, I've got a database of names, and, I mean, this thing is known by so many names, even in the same locality. Uh, you know, general locality, it may have, you know, six or seven names. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, down here, it's you know we we refer to the the swamp ape, skunk ape, cabbage man, uh, barden booger, fairville gorilla. I mean, I, I I could just go on and on. There's there's all kinds of names for the thing down here, uh, and this is true virtually everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was saying, do you usually find like if if there's an area or if there's a legend that's been around for a long time, a lot of people have seen it, that there has to be some truth to it. You know, not necessarily Bigfoot, but for you know pretty much anything. Well, I mean, there's you know, all legend has some basis in truth, right. and you know, things can be you know, can can be changed around in the retelling. An example that I give in the the book chapter that I read for Elementum Bestia has to do with the Cyclops, which you know may be a bipedal hairy ape of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the animal uh, when it encounters humans, inevitably the humans escape by putting out its eye. Uh, you know, my suggestion is that the animal originally had two eyes and uh, that they did put out one in order to escape. And in the retelling of the story, it became more monstrous to give it a single eye. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that type of thing is very possible. Mm-hmm. Did you have a question, John? Uh, yes, uh, RRM from our message board, he actually has a question. He wants to know, if is there any difference between a Yeti and a Bigfoot? if the Yeti exists, in your opinion. A Yeti and a Bigfoot? Well, uh, a let's put it this way. A Yeti is a Bigfoot creature, but not all Bigfoot are Yetis. Uh, and once again, the, the term Bigfoot now has become almost synonymous with any bipedal hairy animal, you know, wherever you find it, even though they may not have a lot of uh, anatomical similarities. Uh, and actually, Yeti is a, nomen, is, is a misnomer anyway. Uh, Yeti literally translated means that thing there. Uh, what they're really talking about when they talk about the big hairy two-legged monster that apparently runs around out in the Himalayas is the Maite. Uh, there's also a Yeti that's a kind of bear, and there's also a Yeti that's a kind of uh, monkey. So it, it, it could mean almost anything. That's why uh, Jeff Corwin got away with saying, oh, I treated the Yeti at the zoo because it was really a bear he was looking at. Mm. <laughs> Uh, what would you, um, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, no one's ever found a, a remains of a Bigfoot. Uh, how would you explain that? I'm not sure that that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some accounts where they have, but they've been so remote they haven't been able to bring them back. Of course, that's always suspect. But some of these animals, if not all of them, may very well be something we know a lot about and we want to continue to think is extinct and may not be. So the remains are there, and there may be fossil records to indicate that they're there, too. Uh, you know, for example, the Nagulu, uh, which was a Bigfoot-type creature in Africa, in the Congo, has been found. 
It turned out to be the billy ape, which is a subspecies of chimpanzee that happens to be bigger than a gorilla and in its swampy environment walks on two legs. Um, when you talk about, you know, seeing like uh, cave drawings and, and whatnot of the different things, do you think there was ever a time when they were more abundant than, you know, than they are now? Probably in the past, but then we were much rarer too, so I don't know how you'd really relate that. Right. Uh, you know, there's always been a percentage of the population. Personally, in some respects and in some areas, I think the animal called Bigfoot, unquote, was either a relic hominin or one of us that had a case of hypertrichosis, uh, which is that uh, medical uh, anomaly, if you want to call it that, although it's a dominant trait, where the entire body is covered with hair, like the Mexican wolf boy. Right. Um, what, what, so, like, uh, uh, I mean, you go on, sorry. Uh, it, well, in some places that makes more sense than, uh, you know, with being an undiscovered animal. But then again, in some cases, you know, the type of creature described doesn't fit that bill either. So, you know, and, and one of the things I guess I'm best known for is daring to suggest that there's more than one kind of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Well, what what would be the differences between them? Is it just, you know, uh, depending, like, where they are? Or? Well, in some cases, size. Uh, in other cases, you know, even foot anatomy or anatomy in general is different. Uh, you, know, they're, you know, these things have been seen with blonde hair, with reddish-brown hair, with black hair, with light gray or almost sandy-colored hair. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, some seem to have enormous brow, brow ridges, others don't. Uh, some seem to have sagittal crests, others don't. Uh, there's just so many variations, and these variations seem to be somewhat geographic in their distribution, suggesting that we are looking at multiple species. Uh, what areas do, uh, has like the uh, the highest percentage of uh, sightings? Uh, well, in the United States, the Pacific Northwest is is probably one of the more prolific. The Central U.S. Uh, in the area of Texas and Arkansas and along the Mississippi River, uh, there's a significant number of sightings, and down here in Florida, there's an enormous mm-hmm. number of sightings. But that is not to say that we don't see them in Pennsylvania, we don't see them in New York, we don't see them in Colorado or New Mexico. They're seen on every in every state. Uh, you know, the only exception really being Hawaii, but there is a very diminutive uh, type of Bigfoot creature that is occasionally reported there, a very short one, that uh, the Hawaiians call Menahune. Uh, did you have something, John? Uh, actually, when you mentioned earlier about the totally uh, false film, uh, I was wondering if you've came across very many people who've actually like claimed to wear like a Bigfoot outfit or something of the sort. Well, I haven't met anybody who actually claimed to wear the suit. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think one person did come forward uh, who was very summarily debunked as being it impossible with the Patterson-Gimlin film. Mm. Uh, most of the time we've got a pretty good idea who did wear a, a costume if they're associated with a sighting. <laughs> but, well, frankly, I wouldn't be one to don a costume and go marching around out, particularly in some of the areas that you know, people do Bigfoot hunting. That might get a, a rear end full of buckshot real quick. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, sooner or later that's going to happen, and these hopesters are going to learn their lesson. Right. Or or rear end of another Bigfoot, like uh, the one person you mentioned was going out there and there was being hit, hit on by a Bigfoot. <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, you know, that that could happen. <laughs> That's when they disappear. 
Uh, uh, sex in the Single Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a Bob Crumb comic right there. <laughs> what would you consider, like, uh, your biggest find? My biggest find? Are you talking about in terms of cryptozoology? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the most important thing that I've done in terms of a contribution to cryptozoology science is probably uh, the handling of the Jennifer Ward sighting outside of Lakeland in 2004. Uh, that's really been the shot heard around the world with the swamp ape. Uh, it's the most credible sighting and has remained the most credible sighting since, since she had it. Uh, and uh, you know, she is just you know one really courageous young lady, and has uh, done a marvelous job uh, keeping the story pure, uh, not letting herself be swayed by media or letting uh, people come in to to tell her what she saw. Uh, which is against forensic interviewing technique, and you know, I've done my best to help her and protect her. But uh, I mean, we've really had some incredible crackpots uh, to deal with uh, with with her. Uh, not the least of which mm-hmm. was some prisoner in Georgia who, who managed to uh, lever her name away, from, uh, name and address away from one of the reporters, I gather, and uh, you know, send her uh, rather frightening uh, mail until I was able to get with the warden and stop it. Mm. Uh, but she's, uh, you know, she's uh, you know, quite a lady. Is that something you always have to uh, deal with? Is uh, like uh, some crackpots or you know people who, uh, you know, uh, give give out or give yeah, else and, a bad name? Yeah, well, and some of them run around under the mantle cryptozoologist too, which doesn't help the professionals <laughs> very much. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, you know, we 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 have a problem with people out there running around trying to tell eyewitnesses what they saw, which of course contaminates their story. Uh, and there's particular procedures that you need to follow. Uh, we've got some jokers out there who you know, just love to take anything uh, uh, and and turn it into Bigfoot evidence of some kind without you know subjecting it to any real scientific study. Uh, and and. You know, I'm I, I'm not for the the you know. There's a sucker born every minute approach to to cryptozoology. Yeah. Uh, I prefer the Ripley's approach with the you know. Well, here's what we found. Here's the evidence. Here's the, what we know about the evidence. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I much prefer that approach to it. And let the public make up their own mind. People are intelligent today. They don't they don't need somebody telling them what they saw. Mm-hmm. If they want a thrill, go to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Has there ever been any uh, like records of someone actually catching them alive? There, well, there are some uh, situations where that has apparently occurred, uh, and of course, it, you know, it's always equivocal because we can never seem to get anything on it. But the most hmm. famous case is uh, one involving Zena in what's now the uh, Republic of Georgia, where Zena was captured by a bunch of hunters and uh, pretty much adopted by this gentleman, uh, Demisa. Uh, in uh, in the Republic of Georgia, she had an affinity for wine, and they get her drunk, and she wound up getting pregnant six times, but only two of her kids survived and uh, grew into adulthood. But uh, she was covered all over with hair and had a mane down her back and pendulous breasts, and uh, you know she was very wild for the first uh, couple of years that they had her, and then they tamed her enough to carry bags of flour and milling around. And she liked to swim in the local river, and I mean, just uh, it's interesting, and it's uh, it's it's very well documented in terms of, of books and coverage by a number of, of Russian scientists, and they have exhumed the uh, the body and skull of her son and uh, 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 Kiwit, 
who uh, the, you know, the Russians believe had uh, some anatomical features that resemble a Neanderthal. Uh, there's been some claim that they found her body, but I have found some uh, uh, some unscientific aspects of that exhumation, and I'm not sure that they actually did. Mm-hmm. Now, you're saying that she actually uh, mated with a uh, Bigfoot? Is that what you're saying? No, she made. She was a Bigfoot, and she mated with humans. Oh, okay. Human well, male, what was the time frame on that? How long ago was uh, that? This was, this was uh, back in the very, very, very late uh, 1900s. Or oh, 1800s, okay. excuse me, 1800s. Ooh. Uh, Ryan here from the, uh, from the message board wants to know, um, which uh, movie do you think was the most accurate portrayal of a Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> the most accurate portrayal? Right. Harry and the Henderson. Harry and the Henderson. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Now, and the reason I say that is because I suspect that from all the studies that I've, I've, or the sighting events that I've read and everything else, that the animal would probably tend to behave about the same way. Right. Uh, you know, if it were brought into our society. I don't think it's vicious in any way. Uh, it, it seems very, uh, you know, all the sightings, even Patty, I mean, she's running away from, you know, Patterson and Gimlin. Uh, and you know, doesn't want to be seen. And when they do see us, they tend to, to beat a hasty retreat. I think they're they're extremely shy, and they don't really want any contact with us for whatever reason. And it doesn't mean they're not smart. They're incredibly mm-hmm. smart to live as they do, uh, and streetwise for the forest, uh, much more so than we are. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and, and I'm saying that, of course, tongue in cheek. That's you know, if you're looking for a documentary, that's that's almost right, impossible. Right, right. There's been so many good ones. Uh, and, you know, starting with some of the A&E stuff going back quite a few years with, uh, oh, I think Leonard Nimoy did one, and uh, there's recently been a couple on there. Uh, you know, we we contributed information for, for one that came on Travel Channel. Uh, there's been a couple of new ones out with Mystery Quest, and, and people are doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've helped a number uh, of producers with material at uh, Pangea. And, uh, you know, that, those requests are coming in all the time, and we're always happy to do it. matter of fact, I was out there with a couple of graduate students from the University of Florida today doing a, uh, doing a video. And i got to go out again tomorrow and do another video with John Johnson at Grendel Films. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's quite a bit of very accurate stuff out there, and then there's nonsense. Right. Now, do you think that would be a defense mechanism for, for them to be, you know, not want to get near uh, human beings? Well, they probably, as most animals have, learned to avoid us because they get hurt if they find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a good example is I, you know, I took my son through a, 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 a rescue facility, if you will, or a, a, an animal ranch uh, called Fossil Rim in, outside of uh, Dallas, Texas, in, in Glenrose, uh, just about four weeks ago now. And uh, you know, there, you know, you're allowed to drive through, and the animals will actually come right up to your car to be fed, and they give you a big bag of feed when you go in. And they have no fear of us at all, uh, because people driving through there are in a controlled situation. They're feeding them. You know, I mean, how many hunters would like a white-tailed deer to walk right up to them and eat out of their hand? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but is that going to happen if you're carrying a gun? No chance in hell. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is, you know, it can be a learned response. Yeah, I mean, I, like around here, actually, the uh, raccoons were, uh, they became pretty friendly, and I think anything if it's around people. Yeah, you see that with pigeons and things. Oh, my, my son John know. can tell you all about how friendly raccoons can become. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, 
And one night we were out camping, and he decided to feed them some uh, diabetic cookies that I wouldn't eat because they tasted like like gravel. Right. Because uh, I'm a diabetic. Hmm. And so he wound up feeding, rather than letting them go to waste, he wound up feeding them to the raccoons. Well, he went to sleep in the hammock in the middle of the night, which he loved to do. And in the middle of the night, a raccoon climbed up the tree, climbed out on his chest, and began licking him in the mouth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you got any more of those cookies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, of course, he he woke up with quite a start, freaked out completely, and then ran ran to the car and locked himself in. <laughs> spent the night spent the night cussing and sleeping sleeping uh, sitting up. But uh, you know, we were all just having a good old laugh in the tent. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. We used to feed the raccoons here actually, but uh, none of them ever climbed up and licked my mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. But I never I never slept sleeping outside. No, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, well, John would have a, a really good time with that because he, you know, of course, that's amazing because most of my kids have developed an amazing affinity for animals. Uh, you know, my son Robbie, who's, uh, you know, well, he's, he's 25 now, but uh, he's the only one who still lives at home and, uh, you know, going to college. But, uh, you know, Robbie's unbelievable. I mean, he can walk outside and put his hand out with some bread in it, and the birds will just land on his hand to eat it. Uh, you know he's uh, he's you know you know very sensitive kid and uh, you know we you know, he loves the big cats like I do so we've bottle fed Florida panthers and and Bengal tigers and oh, awesome. uh, you know, baby lions and all that so we do it all the time we got a, a, a friend who owns a wildlife rescue place down near Miami who has a full grown you know uh, uh, white tiger named wow. Harry and uh, we go down and take him for a walk every now and then or I should say Harry takes us for a walk. <laughs> but uh, you know, we we love doing that stuff. We're all into animals here, so hmm. uh, that's that's a that's a big part of our life. Yeah. Now, looking back, do you think maybe that's why the uh, the Bigfoot what came in, you know, somewhat uh, approximation to you, since you know it detected that you you were an animal person or you weren't going to uh, hurt it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not much on psychic Sasquatch. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, well, I uh, think animals can animals... detect if someone's yeah. you know friendly if they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they well, they I think they know instinctively, and you know, perhaps it's through a pheromone whether you present a danger to them or not. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't think they they know it on any you know any ESP type level. I think <laughs> they just sense that you know whether you're going to be trouble for them or not. And uh, you know, yeah, I I mean I don't really have a problem. I mean, I, you know, and I, some people think I'm nuts because I'll talk to them. Yeah. But uh, uh, I mean, we've taken kids to this you know animal rescue facility we work with. And, you know, a little kid falls on the ground, and I would tell it step by tell the kid step by step what to do because the tigers all go, you know, they get ready to pounce, and they're all looking like, eh, boy, food. And, mm. you know, I tell them exactly what to do, and then I tell them exactly what the tiger's going to do in, in response. So I've gotten to the point where I'm very sensitive to how animals are going to react and uh, can almost literally read them, mm. uh, you know, the particular species I'm very familiar with. So uh, you know, it's it, you know, it, it, because I can do that. Why shouldn't they be able to? Right. Um, would the Bigfoot have any uh, like natural predators? I doubt that there's. I mean, if I would imagine that they're at the top of their food chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if we had bull elephants or something like that here in America, that might not be true. Grizzly bears might present a problem, uh, but there's really not too many animals out there that I think would be a danger to them. Yeah. Uh, and I mentioned the billy ape earlier. Uh, you know, the billy ape is, is huge. It's bigger than a gorilla. 
and uh, it, its actual name uh, in the Congo was Lion Killer. And I mean, of all the apes, this one is not one that that was very shy about letting out nocturnal calls because it didn't care what the predators came near it. It could kill anything that would. Hmm. So uh, I, I imagine that Bigfoot's in that class. Uh, JHL here on the message board. She wanted to know if uh, there's been any sightings of uh, babies, or if they, if you guys know what you know, if the babies stay hidden until they're fully grown, or. Well, there's several issues. One, the length of their arms, which tends to be a bit longer than ours, mm-hmm. indicates on an anthropological level that they spend at least some time in the trees during their development. Uh, so I would imagine that you know we're so accustomed to looking at everything at eye level. They probably, when you're in the forest, do spend a bit of time up in the canopy, uh, especially the young ones. So, and there have been sightings of young ones in different places. In some cases, uh, you know, people are pretty quick to dismiss the sightings as ba- being chimpanzees on the loose and things like that. But it, that may not be the case. Uh, and, and I do have some tracks that were given to me by Chester Moore that uh, he is very certain are juvenile Bigfoot tracks, and they're they're pretty small. Uh, by comparison to the huge ones, which we find all the time. Mm-hmm. But they do have some consistency in their appearance. So, yeah, that's really possible. Uh, you know, obviously, there's got to be little ones. Obviously, they need to be taken care of. How they exactly do that, I'm not sure. But I suspect that their, their tribal structure is very similar to gorillas. Did you have uh, something else from the board there, John? Uh, actually, I had a question. I was going to take it off Bigfoot a little bit. But uh, I live in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, just about an hour outside of uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And I was wondering if you had, like, uh, any opinions on the uh, Mothman stories. Hey, could be ha- could happen. I've been up through that part of the world because mm-hmm. uh, I used to live up in D.C. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've actually driven through all of that and uh, over to Louisville and, and what have you and through Charleston and all. And I've seen some pretty strange things up there at night on the mountain roads. So I'm not sure. I don't know enough about it to be able to render any opinions. But uh, you know, heck, I, you know, I won't put uh, you know the Mothman past <laughs> past anything. I, there's been some really weird things I've seen up there. Hmm. Interesting. Well, what is- you know, I'm not an expert on Mothman, but Lauren Coleman is. And you know, if you you want to ever talk about about Mothman, I couldn't recommend a better source to you. Lauren's great. Huh. Hmm. Well, look into that. <laughs> I know John, yeah, John's in the West Virginia area, and that's big over there. Oh, yeah. But uh, let everybody know, too, that your website's uh, PangeaInstitute.us. Uh, is there anything you want to tell everybody out there before I let you go? Uh, well, I mean, uh, if you got any more questions from the, the, the chat room, that's fine. Uh, you know, if they want to study more about uh, what I've been talking about with the Bigfoot and art history stuff, uh, there's a great book available that uh, I contributed a chapter to that covers this this detail called uh, Elementum Bestia. Uh, it's available through Lulu Publishing, www.lulu.com, uh, and you can buy a copy there. The uh, black and white version is like uh, 11 or 12 bucks. There's a full color version, too, for all of the color plates. Uh, it's a considerably more expensive, but that's good if you're a collector of this type of book. Uh, Craig Heiselman, who's the editor who put the book together, uh, has asked me to make this a trilogy, and I'm actually working right now on the next section, which will deal with Bigfoot. Uh, the first part I did ran from the prehistoric Stone Age, Lithic uh, period uh, sighting-type things that were recorded you know, in cave paintings and whatnot. 
and then all the way up to uh, uh, early medieval period artwork. Uh, the next section will deal with Bigfoot all through the Renaissance and how it was depicted in artwork. And then the last segment's going to be all in modern art. So uh, it's going to be a trilogy. It's a very interesting piece, and it's, it's been received enormously well. I've made a couple of presentations now about this, this subject that some of the museums around here, and people are going bananas over the research work that was done, so, uh, so to speak. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly something they might want to do, uh, particularly if they're interested in that. I'm always, you know, willing to communicate with people about, uh, you know, these topics or anything else that has to do with uh, cryptozoology. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, that it's evolved at all, the, uh, the Bigfoot? Does it evolve? Yeah, has everything evolved. evolved. Like, yeah, but I mean, um, you know, since you said there was uh, you know, thousands of years ago, there's uh, recorded sightings and everything. How has it evolved from then till now? Well, I mean, one of the things that's that's interesting, and one of the reasons why I'm I'm certain uh, that we're looking at different animals here is I have some tracks in my collection that you know have become the gold standard. Uh, there's an enormous number of, of hoax tracks, so don't get me wrong, but there are right. tracks that I've had podiatrists and, and foot experts look at and tell me that anatomically uh, these are the most likely tracks to be real. Uh, and uh, in, in comparing those tracks, uh, there's significant differences between them. Uh, and in the anatomical features, they're so significant that they have to be separate species. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that's a very intriguing aspect here. And, uh, you know, I've got, matter of fact, I've got two of them sitting on my desk right now, and the differences between the swamp ape and the classic Bigfoot are enormous. Uh, you know, if you uh, want to see that, uh, I think that Sony Entertainment and Ripley's is having uh, a big fight over it right now, but I did a prezo on YouTube for uh, Ripley's Entertainment discussing a track that came off the uh, Nisqually River back in 83 or 84 uh, up in Fort Lewis, Washington, and uh, to talk about the anatomical differences there. But your listeners can check that out on YouTube. Uh, if there's a problem with that particular piece, uh, it'll be removed shortly because Sony has no basis for their, their claim against Ripley's. But I'm thinking about doing several YouTube-type pieces uh, on these different things. And uh, Pangea also puts up with our, our different information. We do little uh, snippets that are on YouTube and MySpace and uh, on uh, Disclosed TV now for our European friends. And, uh, you know, your listeners are welcome to check those out and look at our Pangea sites there. Okay. And uh, they'll catch up on We'll be posting things up there regularly now with these little video things. That, you know, thank God the Internet's made that so simple to do. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to people out there who just uh, say that they don't, they just don't believe it no matter, uh, you know, any kind of evidence or not necessarily skeptic, but just uh, won't believe anything. Well, that's okay. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with not believing in something that you haven't beheld with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing wrong with being skeptical. To be a scientist, you have to be. I mean, I'm right. kind of caught uh, in a quandary because I've seen the animal. I know what I've seen, and I trust my own senses. But as a scientist, I have no solid evidence that stands up to scientific method to say, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have to still approach it as a scientist and realizing the, you know, the, the, not only the procedure, but the material that I need in order to prove the, the reality of the animal. And uh, so that's what I always go for when I go out on my expeditions. And, you know, of course, that's how I got started using forensic reagents and 
other things that criminologists use to try and uh, you know zero in on this animal. And we've come up with some pretty convincing stuff, but it's still, even though we could prove it in a court of law uh, that the animal exists, it's still not enough for science, and it can be done without killing an animal to do it. Right. All right, we want to thank you for coming on tonight. Really appreciate I it. I appreciate it. Anytime, you know, anytime you need me or want to, want to discuss a subject that's cryptozoology-based, uh, let me know. I'd be happy yeah, to Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. we bring you back. Yeah, and we'll have, a, we'll have another topic. Maybe we'll ask the message board what they'd be interested in hearing. Everybody That'd come over cool. to, uh, yeah, in your, withoutyourhead.com, and I'll uh, leave your uh, suggestions. Keep here for one second. Hey, man, this is Mark Borchar. And if you know what's right, if you know what's good, if you know what's best for you, listen to withoutyourhead.com. All right, we are back. We want to thank Scott Marlowe for coming on. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was a lot of Most fun. Cool. Very interesting <laughs> cool, person. Oh, yeah. I always, all the in- Go on, man. I always enjoy talking up some uh, Bigfoot talk or uh, sightings. And I don't know. I was, I, was, I was hoping he knew somebody who actually put on the suit and just trying to scare somebody or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were hoping to not necessarily come out here and tell us that, you know, he saw this, this you know, big foot. You wanted to say you wanted to see a guy in a, a suit. <laughs> I want to interview a man who has worn a big foot suit and just find out what was going through his brain, what what exactly they were trying to accomplish. I think it would be see, a... None of us could do that. None... None of the three of us are tall enough. Oh, no. No, I'm like... We couldn't do a good Bigfoot. <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't scare nobody. Just, no, me either, you know. We could get on Someone each other's come shoulders. up and rub my stomach or something. <laughs> Excellent. Can carry one of you guys around, you know, in the, uh, on my shoulders? and. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> if we're making the 12-foot Bigfoot, man, we'd, we'd need all three of us. Yeah, yes. See, there's always there's always ways around all this. <laughs> awesome. So I let everybody know at the end of the month we're gonna uh, we'll be back. We'll be off next week because I believe next is next week uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Indeed, it is. yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, yep. so we'll be off next week. We're gonna try to get back on schedule here, doing you know uh, I think we've been doing it pretty well. Every two weeks we'll be here live on Thursdays mm-hmm. at ten thirty at night. Uh, ten thirty to eleven thirty. Mm. We're night owls, and uh, in the tw- on the twenty ninth, we'll be back with Melissa Basilar. Um, I hope that's how you say the name. <laughs> we Ooh, have God. so much trouble with that on this show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean the guy's name is I have Scott so Marlowe. <laughs> You're like, I hope I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that. Well, now we're paranoid. That's with it. The I'm name. paranoid yeah. now because like uh, I pronounce a few people's names wrong, and like they they get mad and they hang up. But that never happened. But you know, now I just think I'm pronouncing everybody's name wrong. I'm like, yeah, John. Is, it, is that how you say the name? <laughs> is it? Is it John it's Atkins? <laughs> it's spelled John, but it's pronounced Horatio. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of that too nowadays too. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm, I, I'd be pretty cool if I just started uh, pronouncing my name differently. Yeah, Bonet. <laughs> yes. Uh, something we should do, we should bring back here on this show, so we have it done for a while, is uh, the Q&A. So we have that up on, the, actually, the board over at withoutyourhead.com. If you people want to come and leave some new uh, questions and answers for us, I believe there's some there we have an answer. But uh, we'll have to get back to that one at one of these mm-hmm. uh, weeks on the show. That's always a fun time. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, we, can, we can get back into the swing of like the old things. We'll do a round table sometime. Yes. I definitely want to uh, give a shout out to uh, Adam in the UK once again. Man, has he came through this time. Aww. UK Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes it, he just made us so very very proud of the show. You know, someone that actually enjoys it that much that he's uh he's wearing the shirts, he's wearing the the without your head colors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he Black had his picture taken with one of uh you know one, one of, of my one of my heroes, that's for sure. Yeah, all of uh, I think all of us agree on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. George Romero, he had a he had his picture taken with him, like with our shirt on, and it's like man. You think Mar- Romero sees that and, that. like, goes and visits the, the site? Who knows? Actually, he's I hear he's pretty boss. computer illiterate, illiterate but so. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, uh, actually, Asanto brings up here, um, about the Halloween costume contest. And I said I would announce a winner tonight, but they did not add up the tallies. So, after the show, come over to withoutyourhead.com, and I'll, uh, I'll have the winner up on the website. Slacker. So you have it. You have it. Three places, right? There are three different. Right. There's three places different places. Yeah. There's three different places where you can vote. So it wasn't. It's not like I could just go to one website. I'm pretty sure who won. <laughs> because uh, she had overwhelming votes off the uh, off the MySpace. Yeah, the MySpace looked pretty pretty uh, weighed. In that direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm that's no fair. They're smoking hot girls wearing their skimpy outfits. I mean, that's just cheating. Yeah, uh-huh. you know what they're looking for at the MySpace. <laughs> Definitely at the MySpace. So. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, guys, you guys. But if you guys cover for me, I could probably get you the tallies here in about two minutes. <laughs> I don't think there right. is any need John for the and I tallies. Can talk about something. Okay, right. we can talk about something. What do you want to talk about, John? Troy, I would like to talk about. I have no clue. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Beowulf. Are you going to be like? Uh, are you excited because it is CG, or would you rather see it be like just like live action people? Well, I think I think Grendel would have to be, you know, the the monster. I think yeah. he'd have to be uh, CG regardless. No, yeah, no matter what. Yeah, you know, because you're talking about like a big. Ten foot thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Which, um, oh, who's the voice for for Grendel? For uh, Grendel, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to get on IMDb, it's, which that's cheating. But I the guess guy I that was that. Willard. Oh, 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 Crispin Glover. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, he's he's, uh, he's Grendel in it. Oh man, I didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah, so he's the monster. So that's pretty sweet. Huh. That's that's pretty awesome. Huh. The live action, he wouldn't be... He'd be kind of like us as Bigfoot. He wouldn't be nearly as intimidating. You know, if you saw Crispin Glover, they, you know, they got some claws on him. He's like, hey, I'm Grendel. Now, if you're in, that like, a convenience... If you're in, like, a convenience store and you're, like, snop, shopping for some, like, uh, Smarties or something like that, and you're, like, looking around, and then, like, Crispin Glover just jumps out of the aisleway, he's a little intimidating there, but, like, any That's other premise where there's, like... You know, a warrior chasing after him or something like that. He probably wouldn't yeah. be as intimidating. 
Well, you see, if you were a six-six Viking with a battle axe, so you might have a different view on it. Like, hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was Chris always... Glover got a big nose, but I'll still chop him up. You know, <laughs> I'm sure he'd be screaming about it while he's doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of an interesting concept to think like you know, it's not like you won't be watching the film and then be like watching live-action figures and then all of a sudden like. Something, you know, CG kind of pops out, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's CG. you won't have that problem. Yeah, right, right. it doesn't take you out of it, in a way, mm-hmm. once you're a focus. Yeah, everything will kind of fit together with each other anyway. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I don't know, like, if I've ever seen, like, you know, um, a computer animated movie that, you know, was supposed to be. Like, you, you were talking about the Final Fantasy, but I never saw that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I saw it in the theaters back in the day, but I don't really. Uh, I can't really remember enough about the story to really thought. Mm-hmm. I, I remember not liking it a whole lot. But yeah. I, I, well, as it far didn't as look like, like the video games that much, because I love all the video games, but like, yeah. uh, the movie didn't look like it was used in any of the really cool aspects of the the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if right. you made like a Warcraft movie and you didn't have like orcs or something, it just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, right, yeah, the movie the definitely took tally. away from that. Oh, you, he's could, back. <laughs> yes, of the, uh, the annual uh, Halloween costume contest. The first give a, annual. Yeah, the first annual. Uh, let me give a thanks to Hellboy for uh, thinking of it. Well, not Hellboy, but Loser Boy, who's dressed as Hellboy. Mm-hmm. All right, this is how the, the, the uh, votings went. Michael and Mike Money both had six total votes. Okay. Mike Money was bad. he was Afro Skull and Michael was uh Amish Roadkill. Cap right. G, who had a very nice robot costume, had ten. I like that. El Santo, who went as the zombie T J has eleven. <laughs> Man, Loser, he had my vote too. Uh Loser Boy had sixteen, who went as uh Hellboy. That was a dynamic costume. That was a beautiful yes. costume. Ryron, who went as uh, he just went as a mad killer. He looked cool. Yeah. Well, that's I, him. I'm kind of thinking that's not even a costume. I think that's no, no, that's him. He had 17, and the winner was Courtney, who was uh, often referred to uh, on on uh, the MySpace as the hot chick. <laughs> okay. She went as uh, she went as the Red Devil. Yeah, like a Red Devil kind of outfit. Yeah, she apparently told me she had a better costume. She said that she. And she was going to send me a picture, but I never got it. Hopefully, now that she won, she's going to send me this, uh, <laughs> this special costume. Oh, but she awesome. won a bag of goodies, so she, you know, send me your uh, address if you if you trust me. I'm not some crazy. How, how many total votes did she have? Twenty four. Twenty four. That's right. That's if you combine the two uh, message boards and the uh, on the MySpace. Next year, I think. Congratulations, Courtney. Yeah, if if I do, if I could be. Uh, as big as a jackass as to like criticize our own <laughs> contest while on the air. Next year we gotta we gotta be like a little bit more pacific about they what they win. I kinda understand the Halloween theme. Like in a bag of goodies, you know, but Right. I don't know. I think you need to give them a better goal. Like they don't know what a they're bag, A bag of treats. You might get candy, you might get some without your head goodies. You don't know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get you a bag. Get like it's a just like you go trick or, or treat. You don't know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get the without your head bag of goodies. Oh come on, dude! It won't have like a live tarantula in there. Or I want to be like, 
I want to be like uh, Bob Barker one day and be like, you want a brand new car? <laughs> well, next year, John is going to be uh, financing the Halloween <laughs> Cosmic <laughs> Contest. <laughs> okay. Well, no, this, this one, we're more like, let's make a deal. Uh-huh. Right. You know, that, you're getting like what's behind the curtain. Exactly. You don't know what it is. Exactly. Do you, do you, does she want the bag of goodies? <laughs> or, you know, does she want what's behind door number one? Uh, next year, the three of us have to enter it, though. We have to do costumes next year. All right. Okay. I think John's going to be Bigfoot. I think we've already established that. <laughs> you know what I should have done this year? And I, was, I thought about it too late. I thought about it after Halloween. I should have done a gray streak in my hair, got a straight razor. I would have been Sweeney Todd. There you go. Yeah. I would have been that, good for this year, too, because, uh, you know, the movie's in, on its way out. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next year, everyone will be Sweeney Todd. I could have <laughs> been the first. Yeah, they, they're going to beat you to it. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I believe the time is coming near. We Great. must uh, close up the uh, program for the evening. I think, you know, John's going to be uh, Bigfoot, uh, Troy's going to be uh, Sweeney Todd, and I think, you know, I'm going to use a little uh, common sense here, and I'm going to I'm gonna go as Courtney next year. So she, she won this you. year, I think, you know, maybe if I dress as her, I'll, I'll win next year. God, please don't. <laughs> this is Tom Tolls. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And you're doing it without your head. Think about it. Oh, wait, you can't. You don't have a head. <laughs> oh, man, I went too far again.